Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. You know, and when we sing that last song and it talks about God is riding on the storm, when we say it, it sounds pretty. When we say God's riding on the storm, we think, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, we know the story of Jesus sleeping on the boat in the storm. But riding on the storm, I mean, does anyone else get vibes of Metallica's Ride the Lightning? Yes. <laughs> do, you, do, do you ever get this feeling that, you know, oh, no, there's a storm. And then we're like, oh, you know what? Jesus sleeps in the storm. He has peace in the storm. But then you hear, he tames the freaking storm and rides it like a domesticated animal. And he's probably got the biggest smile on his face. And so I want you guys to know, as you're heading into any storm in life, God is riding it and he's having a really good time. So it'd be really good if we could come on board with that. Would you agree? So, so like Pastor Matt said, it is Palm Sunday. I've worn my Palm shirt. And if a high shirt attracts high cards, hopefully this shirt prophesies for summer. So let, let's just all stand in agreement for that, right? Amen. Selah. Um. Yeah, look, there, there's going to be a lot of good stuff we're going to talk about today. God's given me um, a, a message that might challenge some things, and that's okay. But remember that the more that you lean in and respond the less it'll hurt. Um, but it'll be really good. So some of you, we, we've met before, we've, we've done some life together. Some of you don't know me. I'm going to start with a couple nuggets of wisdom. There's these nuggets of wisdom all the way throughout what I, where I preach, where the, the message stops and I just say something. And it's not really me speaking. So, so the first nugget of wisdom for you today is to pray with specificity and with clear language. When I was younger, I asked God to make me into a T-Rex, and he gave me Tourette's. So be very careful on how you bring things before God. So if, if you see me shaking and turning and twitching, that's the T-Rex trying to grow out of me. Still, still working on it. All right, we feel good? Is it okay to have fun? One, one, of the, one of the marks of the kingdom is joy. And if, 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 if your entire experience of God is crying during worship, we're actually missing something. Because it's good to come before the altar and weep. But the whole part is it's processing out. It's actually, you're, you're going through grief in many moments. And if you stay in grief... You're not, you're not living the life God wanted you to live. And so, yes, we should come to the altar and let the heaviness come out as we weep before God. But the end result is that we come before him joyous worship. So, so always good to take inventory. Maybe you're in a healing season. Look, we're all in healing seasons of some form of another. And that's okay. But always know the end state is that grief comes to a close. It's the processing out of what we're feeling. Oh, God, I've, I've dealt with, or I've lived with, or I think, or I feel, or I'm enduring. The goal about bringing that to God in worship is we process it out so we can walk around in joy. Okay? So today is Palm Sunday. 
very cool. Let's, let's read about Palm Sunday in Mark 11, 8 through 10. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches, or palm trees, from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So the week before Easter, in the chronological order of events, Jesus was entering Jerusalem for what we call Passion Week. Now, what does Hosanna mean? People are going down, and they, they put them on a donkey, and they're laying down their robes, and they're laying down these palm fronds, and they're creating a royal entrance. What does Hosanna mean? Please save me. Literally, they're telling Jesus, Hosanna, please save us. Please save us. They know he's coming to his moment. And they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, please save us. Now, many of them, when they said, please save us, what they assumed was that he was going to save them from Rome. They saw an external battle, that Jesus was coming to restore territory. And he was. Jesus was coming to restore territory. They thought it was to get Jerusalem back. Remember, it says, blessed is the kingdom of our father David. That's Israel. That's the nation of Israel. Blessed is the nation of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. They think that the nation of Israel is returning to them. And so they say, God, please save us. Now, the kingdom that Jesus took was far bigger than the little plot of land known as Israel. He took the territory of the kingdom, the spiritual land in which all existence lives. Jesus took back the keys of the earth from the devil. And he took full victory over the spirit realm. And how many of you know that the physical realm we experience comes from the spirit realm. Things always happen first in the spirit, and then often there's a lag, and then we feel it in the present. So what Jesus was doing was so much bigger than the Hosanna they were crying out for. And so when Jesus was going through and they realized he's not even defending himself, like he's, you know, he's sitting there, they're accusing him of, um, I forgot what the word is, like of it being insidious, right, of sedition and trying to overthrow the Pharisees and all that stuff and maybe even being a threat to, to, um, to Caesar. And all the people said, whoa, 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 I, we just ushered this guy in on a royal entrance to say, come save us. And now he's just sitting there and giving in. Crucify him. And some of the same people who shouted Hosanna said, whoa, 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 that's not what I meant when I said save me. Uh, let's crucify him. Clearly, this isn't our guy. And they didn't see that God was giving them even more than they had asked for. And that's something for us to remember as, as we head in. Look, salvation is great, but heaven is where dead Christians go. You're all here. God's got something for you here. What is our purpose of being on earth? You have to understand that when Jesus entered into his kingdom, he was taking back some territory far bigger than we could have imagined. And so that's why today's message is called, Enter the King. The question is, 
which king am I talking about? Because the Bible also says that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's not just like Jesus is king. Yay. And then Jesus is king of kings. He's double yay. No. Jesus is the king of kings. And it's very easy to look in the distance and say, who are the of kings? Oh, Jesus is the king of every president and monarch on the earth. All, however, hundred many people. No, Jesus just isn't the king of those world leaders. It turns out when it says Jesus is the king of kings, we distance ourselves from that. What if you were that king? What if you were the king that allows God to say he's the king of kings? Think, think about this. Revelation 5.10, and they have made it, he's made us kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. By the, you know, it talks about in, in oh, I forget, somewhere Paul writes, by the spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. And if we are sons, then heirs. If when you get saved, you get the spirit of adoption that says you're a son or daughter of God. And it's so fun to say, hey, I'm a son or daughter of God. Cool. I get cool stuff now. My allowance just went through the roof. But what is the inheritance? You become sons and therefore heirs. Well, what kind of inheritance does the son of a king get? The kingdom. And it's actually important to realize that God is all about trying to get you to understand that he entered into his kingdom and then said, here, partake of it with me. I call you a king. We were all destined to be kings with God. Matthew 16, 19, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind and whatever you bound in earth and on heaven, whatever you lose, all those different statements that we love. God has made us the king. And it goes beyond that, too, because when you become a king, you have a king dumb. And take a look at one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 18 through 19. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He entered into his kingdom. Now, therefore, you go and make disciples of nations. He gave them a statement that said, not only do I want you to go and make disciples, I want you to go and make disciples of nations. That, that's a lot of territory to take. Let's think about this one more way. That you all know the parable of the talents. There's two parables, but one of them in particular has a very interesting conclusion. So right, the parable, the master gives three servants different talents and goes away and comes back to see what they did with it. What did you do while you were here on earth? Well, one of them turned five talents into ten talents. Awesome. One of them turned two into four. One of them took one and buried it and did, did nothing with it because he feared the master. Well, in Luke 19, 17, look at the conclusion of what God says to the servant who multiplied his talents on earth. Well done, my good servant. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, you can get promoted, right? Hey, cool. Like, hey, you, you turn five to ten. How about we do 10 to 20? Mm, not quite what he says. He says, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. Let that sink in for a second. 
that the reward for being a good steward of what God gave you was governmental authority. Let that sink in. That the parable of the talents isn't just that you increase, hey, I turned five to ten and master's happy with me. It's, and now you get it. You understand what it was to rule over the five. I can now trust you with cities. If we're going to take nations, if there is a call, and there is a call, there is absolutely a call for us to take territory and to take this city and beyond. God is looking for the people who get it. It's not just because you turn five coins to ten coins. It's that you saw you had rulership. You understood that I made you in charge of this section. I cannot trust you with this. Look, we're going to take a city. I hope that you become a part of the we. I hope you don't stand on the outside of that. Because territory is contended. There is no territory that is not contended. Territory is a finite thing. There's only so much territory that lives in the spirit or in the natural. It has to be taken. See, we can take territory over our own world. We'll talk a little bit about that. We can take territory of external things. But let's talk about what happens when you don't take territory. Okay? Um, I do, I do genuinely believe that this is a prophetic season of taking territory. In the Bible, there is a verse that says, you shall beat your plowshares into swords. There is also a verse that says, you shall beat your swords into plowshares. Which one do you follow? You have to be tuned in to what the king is doing. See, do, do, you, do you operate... God made you a king, but he expects you to trust him and extend his kingdom. This is a season right now, and if you haven't felt it yet, I'm telling you, this is a season to beat your plowshares into swords. This is a season of taking new territory. I release it over this city, and I release it over you. This is a season where God is telling you, if you can learn to accept the identity of king that I have given you, you will take more land in your personal world than you ever thought possible. And this is going to wreck some of you. Because we want more land. We want to go to God and say, God, give me more. Oh, God, bring me more. And you have no authority inside of you. You don't know. who You haven't woken up to who you are. And so how can you obtain, let alone maintain, greater territory Unless you have the heart of a king. Who takes territory but kings? No one takes territory but kings. Someone takes territory, they become king of that territory. Kinghood identity is required for territory. And so if we can get that inside of us, the, thing, the territory shifts. Let, let's talk a little bit about this. In, in 2 Samuel 11:1, 1, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go to battle. There is a time when kings go to battle. This is the time to beat your plowshares into swords. There is a time when kings go to battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. 
But David remained at Jerusalem. We'll talk more about David in a second. But remember, the, the people, when Jesus were entering on Palm Sunday, they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of David the king. That Everyone is referencing all the territory David took. David established the nation of Israel. He established it because he went to war. There was a time to go and take ground. And we'll talk a little about what happens when you don't. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I, I want to really emphasize there is a time to take ground. The world you live in, every kingdom is a reflection of its king. Okay? The world that you experience around you, everything you experience is a reflection. If the, the kingdom around you is a reflection of its king, the world you experience is a reflection of the internal world, the spiritual world that you manifest. Remember, Jesus came not to take Israel, but to take the spirit realm, knowing he would obtain Israel. So when you look at the world around you, there are absolutely physical ground we need to take. There is literal territory we want to take. There are healings and blessings and miracles and, and breakthroughs that we require. Absolutely. But first, are you a king over your internal world? Can you start small? What, how is the, the kingdom inside of you? If you can capture kingly identity, the world around will begin to manifest it. This is something I've had to learn. I'm still learning. In fact, even recently, God spoke to me again and said, hey, you kind of get this kingdom identity thing, but you need to get it even more. If I'm going to take you to higher levels... You need to be ready to rule a bigger kingdom. And the most challenging statement is, wait, you want me to play king? Talk about disqualification. That's where we come from. The hardest thing about this message is believing that it's for you. But that's a mandate. Remember, there's only three types of message that get preached. There's only three types of message. Intimacy, identity, and freedom. Every message is either pointing you towards greater intimacy, stronger identity, or increased freedom. This is very much an identity message, but it'll also set you free, which allows you to have greater intimacy. So I guess it's all in the same, but we'll just we'll hit it all. Identity is so hard to come by, but your internal, your external world is a reflection of your internal world, and how you rule over what God has given you. It'd be so easy to say, hey, I want to be promoted at work. I'm just going to go claim it. I'm just going to tell them they better promote me. I'm just going to go take it. Um, I want a bigger house. I'm going to show up on someone's door. They open the door. I throw them in the van and start moving in. That's a few less sales for you, Pastor Vince, so be careful how you endorse that. Uh, but the external world, look, we can try to manifest things. And there's a reason sometimes a lot of our prayers get blocked. Sometimes we don't believe ground is ours to take. We don't even pray. Ah, why, why even? Eh, I give up. I'm just, I'm just going to cede this area of my life. See this territory that God has allotted for me? And by the way, every promise and every prophetic word over your life is territory that God has called out for you to go take. He, he set the markers and he says, now go achieve them. 
So we have these promises over our life, and when something in us dies to the promise, we've ceded territory. We're basically not occupying that space. Guess what? Someone else will. And usually they're occupied by devilish influence. So any territory that you don't rule over, someone else is coming in to occupy your promise. So apathy is not an option. Sometimes, though, we come in and we see the ground we're supposed to take. And we, we come in like an adolescent who is just given a long sword. And we just start hacking at everything. Like, this is my promise. And we start hacking at it. Like, yeah, I'm going for it. I'm just going. I don't care what anyone says. I'm charging into battle naked, but I got a sword. <laughs> and, and that is going to be left where it was. <laughs> I'm going to stand on this side, talk to you guys for a little bit. But, but very often, we will hear the promise, and we will run at it with everything we've got except identity. And when you charge at your breakthrough as if it's the only thing that matters and as if the harder you swing is the only way you get broken through, you also don't possess the identity of a king. The goal is not just to take territory, it's to keep it. And so very often, sometimes we, we lack breakthrough because... We don't believe it's for us. Sometimes, though, God withholds breakthrough because we're going so far after the breakthrough, but we don't have the identity of a king that occupying it would be fruitless. So sometimes you're going too hard after a thing in your own strength, and God says, I care more about your identity than the breakthrough. And we have to arrange ourselves to shift how am I approaching this? The third way that we will approach God, it sounds good, and it's still wrong. You guys, okay, you guys get ready to get punched in your theology again? Okay. I mean, let me take a drink to that. Oops. Um, the third way we come before God is we have this moment. We recognize the promise. Okay, this is a promise I believe in. And I recognize God can do it. Okay, yeah, let, let's go for it. And we sit back and say, thank you, God, for doing it all for me. It's a real promise. It's a real good God. We sit there, and our prayers sound like this. Thank you, God, and thank you, God, and thank you, God, and thank you, God, and thank you, God. And God is sitting there saying, you're welcome, but I also asked you to manage your own territory and release what I've given you. See, we are co-laborers. He is the king of kings. He desires that we step into our identity. And so sometimes we spend so much time, God, thank you for the breakthrough, and we never speak the breakthrough. Thanking God is just the precursor. Jesus thanked God, but then he broke bread and fed 5,000. The gratitude positioned his identity, but it didn't unlock the prayer. The prayer was when he took authority and broke bread. You tracking with me? So when we thank God, all of our prayers are thanking God, but not asking him, not releasing. If God has given you territory, take authority over your territory. Speak to the things that are in it 
and around it. You know, when I pray healing, I don't say, thank you, God, for healing this person, and stop. I say, cool, that's it's just a reminder for us that he can do it. Now, be healed. Do you see the difference? Thank you, God, for bringing me out of this. I know you can do it. Versus, I take authority over the thoughts of inadequacy that I've been feeling. I take authority over the breakthrough, over the atmosphere, that I would, I would be a blessing in all that I do, and I would be fruitful, and I would see the release. See the difference between... Constantly, it's, it, it's such a trap. It's that you're so close. You're, you're believing God. You've got intimacy with God, but you lack the identity. When you, you're, all your prayers are, God, do this. Oh, I believe God will just take care of that. Someone asked for healing, right? You know, someone asked for healing or a breakthrough. And you, you, you thank God for bringing it. And you say, I'm sure God will do it tomorrow. And just give. give. The, 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 we have the ability to steward atmospheres. If only a king can occupy territory, how are you supposed to occupy the spiritual atmosphere around you without a royal identity? Why is it when some people walk into the room, you feel like miracles are going to break out? Like, oh, oh, wow, that person's pretty potent. Oh, whoa, the whole room just shifted. That person is occupying territory. I, I pray this. When I, when I wake up, I say, God... Wherever I go today, let the localized territory that you've given me emanate out. And people, people can feel that. There's a reason why we walk around with different potency in different areas. Do you take atmospheric authority? I think about this at work. I have a very difficult, difficult job sometimes. And there's, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. And I, something I'm going through right now is like the idea of being withheld promotion. And it hurts a lot. But in that, God says, are you yet not a king? What authority can you take? You can't claim the territory of your own promotion. But what you can do is claim the authority of being a king. You can claim that everything around you begins to elevate. You can start to see yourself as the king. As, you know, become who I've made you to be. Command your atmosphere to follow suit. Watch what happens. It's amazing. I had this encounter, like, in the past month. I went through another challenge at work with some of the leadership stuff. And God spoke to me, said, are you going to get upset? Are you going to get rejected? Are you going to feel like you're losing hope? Or are you going to step up and be the king I asked you to be? David behaved like a king when he was running in the wilderness, far from it, when the, when the actual king was threatening to kill, tr not threatening, trying to kill him. Is kingly identity in you? Does it shape the way you move? Can you shift atmospheres with the kingdom that emanates from you. And I tell you this, your external world does catch up. It does catch up. But what God's looking for, do you possess kingly identity? Okay? There's three traits to being a king. Three things I want you to think about real briefly. Number one, defend your territory. If you have territory, are you aware of it? You do. By the way, every one of you has territory. Some of you have just been sitting back for so long that it feels like you're a victim. You're, you're living in the devil's world. And all I'm trying to do is scrape by and get my little bit, little bit of peace here and there. Maybe God can trickle down a miracle, but I'm living in the devil's world. Did you? You have territory. I said it. God commanded that you have territory. 
recognize it, defend it. Healing, freedom, deliverance, repentance. What can you do in your internal world? How do you stand against the attacks of the enemy? When, when the enemy is, is throwing intimidation at you, defending your territory is no. I bless this land with hope, with encouragement, with breakthrough, and intimidation has no place here. You can defend what God has given you so that the fiery darts of the enemy hit the shield of faith. Okay? But the other thing we have to do is define our culture. So sure, you're, you're the border walls are protect, but what's the culture? What, what is experienced in your internal world? When something, yeah, I'm such a man of faith until anything happens, and then, oh, woe is me. And then I'll be a man of faith again, and then, oh, woe is me. How do you define your culture? Is your culture defined by faith, hope, and love? Is it defined by the fruits of the Spirit? Is your internal world, what is the culture? Is, is our culture that we press on? That when the shaking happens, we keep moving. Do I have the culture that no matter what external circumstances I experience, the vision hasn't changed, the promise hasn't changed, God is in this. What is the culture, and these can be external too, when you walk into a room and everyone's complaining, arms crossed. What culture do you bring? Hey, let's wake up. God is good and he is moving. You can define cultures locally. If you want to take big territory, how are you taking this small? We take big territory the same way, just with greater trust, right? How do, how do you create atmospheres where you go? Think about it, at work, in your household, in your household. When everyone's at each other's arms and everyone's arguing with each other and angry with each other, who's going to be the first one to set kingdom culture in that household? We don't talk like that. We don't go to bed angry. You can set cultures. It takes a king to occupy and rule a territory. And the third point is expand your boundaries. I think that's what I said. Yes, extend your boundaries. There is a time when kings go to war. Why do they go to war over the last bowl of potato salad? No. They're fighting for each other's territory. Okay? David was called to extend the very borders of Israel. Do you want to just occupy your little shanty shack out in the wilderness? Were we designed to live alone on a desert island? Some people call that freedom. I call that bondage. We were designed to continuously extend the kingdom of God. If you do not take territory... An enemy lies at the gates, but also people's lives are at stake. See, we don't, we don't want to just take this city so that we become popular or famous or have influence. There are hurting people that have yet to discover who they are in God. And if we don't take that territory, remember, it's, it's through the lineage of David and the people of Israel that Jesus came. God uses things and he wants to use you. And if we're sitting back, sitting pretty on the territory that we have, yeah, we can defend it and we can set culture. But if we're not ready to extend it, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out 
well done, good and faithful servant. Now you be over 10 cities. God's desire for good stewardship is that you understand governance. You were called to govern in greater and greater ways to the level that your identity can catch up and see that you were designed to rule and that you can be trusted with more and more and more. God will give you more and more and more. Don't be limited by what's in your hand. Who are you? Can you deal with that? Remember, in the, in the verse in the beginning, when all the kings went to war, David stayed home. He knew. He knew it was time to take territory, and he stayed home. Maybe I don't need to fight today. Maybe the ground we have is enough. Maybe we can sit back, relax. We know what happens next. He's sitting at home. Hey, there's Bathsheba. She looks pretty hot. Bring her over here. And he commits adultery. Has her husband murdered to cover it up. Really, really bad deal. And one would think, "Uh uh-oh, here's God's man messing up. And that would be the end of it. But rather, the same spirit that calls you to be a king. Samuel was sent to anoint David as king. Samuel the prophet represented the Holy Spirit in that time. The spirit of God calls us to be a king. You cannot find yourself a king without the spirit of adoption. Without the Holy Spirit telling you you're a king, it's just words. Until the Holy Spirit seals it in you. The Holy Spirit came to David through Samuel and called him king. But then when he fell, when he stumbled, the same Holy Spirit came back through Nathan and confronted him and said, you are not acting kingly. And I don't know if you understand this. David had promises that the lineage of the Messiah would come through him, that Israel would be established forever, and that actually Jesus would come through his bloodline. He didn't know who his heir would be. Solomon, who took over from David, was the second child of Bathsheba and David. Solomon wasn't the child of any wife of David. She was the result of his adultery. That David, even after that, is still called a man after God's heart because the same spirit that called him, and he responded to identity, confronted him and said, you're not acting kingly, and he repented. And he said, I will become king again. I will act like it again. And it was because of the repentant word that Solomon was established as the future king and lineage of Jesus. Don't judge yourself for not acting kingly. Repent. Let Holy Spirit talk to you. Step back up. The promise is in that. Your promise is in your repentance. Who who cares what you've done? Be a king. Be a king. Be a king. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. Be a king. It was out of the repentance that the Spirit of God created the fulfillment of the promise. Solomon came because the word of God confronted David's identity as you're you're not acting kingly. And when he turned around, it came to be, if you need breakthrough in this room, don't feel bad that maybe you haven't taken ownership of what God's given you. Rather say, okay, I get it. Let's, Let's act like a king again. God will restore. He will establish he will set you free. 
Now, there's a couple things territory-wise that we can do. See, one of the things that I love to talk about in territory is I don't stand for sickness. I don't stand for bondage. In my culture, the culture of my kingdom, when these things enter, I know I have authority to kick them out. You know what I mean? You do too. When, when, when anything enters your atmosphere that is not the culture of your kingdom, send it away. And God wants to show you. And so I want to pray for some people because I want this to be a sign to you of authority. I am no more godly than any of you. Maybe I've wrestled with my kingly identity for longer, but who cares? I did it the hard way. You guys have a chance to shortcut it. It doesn't have to look a certain way. So there are a couple things that, that I felt God wants to bring kingdom into today as a sign to you that this is real. Is that okay? The first thing I saw was someone with an arm injury. Um, it's, it ended their sports career. And is that, did anyone have an arm, like shoulder, upper arm injury that ended a sports career? Okay, come up. Rob, what I saw before I even knew it was you was that that injury that ended your career, you ceded a certain territory over. There is certain territory in your world that was ceded over to the enemy to say, I guess that's territory I won't occupy anymore. And you basically said, that door is closed completely. But what God was trying, what he wants you to know is that that territory that was given for you in that one area, it was not always meant to look a specific way and that there is an opening for you that he is actually looking to revive that area of you. And then in fact, there is breakthrough in your world that came from not just the sports career that ended, but the thoughts that came with it. This also is ending with it. And God says, no, 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 I still have something for you in that. So I want you to just close your eyes, open your hands. Father, right now, we speak healing over Rob. There would be a release of the trauma of that event. I speak full restoration still coming in, coming in. You're still even right now healing. There is full healing that you would return to the joy that once was of activating in that sport. But more importantly, the area that has died. I want you to see it. And I want you to feel God coming into it. I want you to just give God permission. Okay, I'll, I'll trust you. I'll dream in that area again. I'll dream in that area again. I'll dream in that area again. Just trust him. Again, nothing you did. Just thank you, God. Right now, filling him fresh oil. There are new doors that are opening for you. There's an aspect of your life. I see it literally as ministry that God always intended to open, but you said, how could I ever attend to that when this thing broke? When this, when this happened, how could I ever have pressed forward? And God is saying, ah, but it can. Trust me. Open up, open up your heart to this vision again, to this dream again. Go back to old dreams. 18, 19 years old, go back to old dreams. And I declare them, resurrect in the name of Jesus, take a big breath. <sighs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on. Come on. Yeah. The next thing I saw, there's a couple of you in here. You've been, there, there have been cycles of poverty where no matter what happens, you just can't get the job. 
you just can't make ends meet. There's just, you're always having to ask or there's even shame around asking for others. And there's no shame in, in identifying to this, but there are some, some people in here who've been caught in cycles of, of poverty. Everything gets taken. It's not even that like you have trouble making more money. It's that what you have gets taken. Your cars break. If, if you are trapped in a cycle of poverty and that, that resonates with you, would you stand up? Come on. Come on. Yeah. Close your eyes. Watch this. God has made you king. And that has been the hardest thing to believe. For, 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 for some of you, um, for some of you in particular, you never believed that you were daddy's little princess. That was taken from you. That, that connection that you had with your earthly father broke it. And you, you felt like a stranger in the land of your inheritance. God said that over Abraham. You're a stranger in the land of your inheritance, land that God gave you. You felt like a stranger living in it. And I feel like this, this is inherited for many of you, that this came from what fathers did or didn't say. But I say right now, if, if you will let God be a different father, speaking over you who you are, you are a king. You are mine. I give you my promise and I give you my authority. And right now, each of you, I want you to speak out. I take authority. Speak it out. I take authority of what God has given me. Every promise, every breakthrough, every gain, no longer do I stand trapped by the oppression against me. I take authority over my kingly identity and from it, I release blessing in the name of Jesus. Debt, I cancel you. I just want you just to feel that. I want you to feel, let God's hand come on your shoulder and feel his identity. Hey, I've given this to you. Take just speak it. Just speak it. Speak your ground. Speak your ground. Don't, don't you worry about the identity that other fathers gave you. I'm telling you that this is yours. We, we stand together and you pray to God for it, but speak out against it and say, not by might nor by power, but by the word of God. By the word of God. I just release. I release breakthrough. I release poverty. Break off these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, you guys can sit down. Come on. I saw one more thing. I mean, depends on what time you guys got to go. I could see many more things if we needed to. There's a, there's a wonderful atmosphere in here. Something I want to see, if, if you are currently a pastor or if you've ever once been a pastor, and that includes all our pastors up front, if you've ever been a pastor or you currently are a pastor, will you stand up? And I feel like there are people in this room who've been in ministry. Let's say it like this, high level, like elder level leadership. Is that anyone in here? There we go. Yeah, people who've been in high level leadership within a ministry. 
you carried a pastoral mantle. They may not have given you the title, but you knew. You knew you were carrying a pastoral mantle. You are very special in God's eyes. I want you to know that. And God wastes nothing. The season of your potency is not past you. And you have journeyed. You've been through a lot. And some doors have closed, some rightfully, some wrongfully. But I feel like God is speaking to you today that if you will take territory over the mission that I've spoken to you, you will see the miraculous like never before. That, that there is an extra measure of potency to those who have accepted the call in any season of life. It does not go away. There are no mistakes. In the moment, there may have been motives operated outside of wisdom, outside of grace, but it doesn't matter. God says, I still recognize you. The pastoral anointing rests on you. If you can take territory in your own world, forget about the external, forget about positions, opportunities, serving areas. If you can understand that who I've made you to be is one to manifest kingdom in the world around you, I will bless you in every other way. If you can come back into the place of healing, of freedom, of deliverance, of breakthrough, if you can continue to steward breakthrough in your internal world, I will unlock different doors. Some of you have had doors that are locked in other areas of life because when the when a pastoral door closed, you gave up a part of your inheritance and your identity to steward the kingdom. And I just release right now over all of you, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. That territory has always been there for you. That there's a, there's a portion of your kingdom that has been overgrown with weeds, but it was protected for you. And God says, if you will go out and tend to it, if you will recognize it as your own and you will tend to it and weed it and set it up, I will reestablish health. I see that there are new streams, new underground reservoirs of blessing that will flow back to your known kingdom because you've gone into untapped ground and tilled it again. And so God, I thank you you're doing a miraculous work over all these people. Even those that aren't standing, understand that there's a ministerial assignment over you. Guys, you can sit down. I was going to pray a blessing over all of us. That we are kings and priests. That you have adopted us in, not just as children, but as heirs. That we would recognize the territory you've given us today and we would steward it well but we would also choose to believe again for the territory you've marked for us that we have yet to possess. That we will not stay home in the time when kings go to war, but God, you are preparing us individually to experience the kingdom. But uniform, unilaterally as we come together, that we would see a city taken, not just because of the buildings we acquire, not just because of the, the, the platforms that we get, but because inside of us, the spirit is manifest into the natural and that we would receive glory to glory to glory in Jesus name Amen Wow what an amazing word I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did hey listen for more information about our church go to www.awakenchurch.com 
or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.